have your Bibles this morning, turn them with me, please, to Philippians chapter number 4. Our text will be verses 4 through 8. Philippians 4, starting in verse number 4. Let's read this together. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And watch what he promises here in verse 7. And this is a promise for all of those who make application of this truth to their life. Listen to what he says. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding. I love that shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, what does it mean to have peace that passes all understanding? Well, it simply means that we've got peace when we shouldn't have peace. We've got peace when it don't make sense to have peace. We've got peace when we should have worry. We've got peace when we should be fearful. We've got peace when we should be a lot of other things because the situations and circumstances that we face, in the midst of all of it, we have peace. That's peace that passes all understanding. I love that. Now look at verse number uh, number 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, he says, think on these things. Everybody say, think. Now watch, watch verse 9. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Let's pray together. Father, again, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for your, uh, your truth, your word. We know that it's truth for us. We know that it's absolute truth that we can and should build our life upon. And I'm thankful today you've given me this message, and I ask, Lord, that you be with me in this presentation as you've been with me in my preparation. I'm praying, Lord, today that you would speak to me, speak through me, fill me up, Holy Spirit, and pour me out for your honor and for your glory. Lord, we need you. We can do absolutely nothing without you. And, Lord, I want to do nothing without you. I don't want to operate in my ability and my power. Holy Spirit, I give you free reign to do exactly what you want to do. Lord, it's not about us. It's all about you today. Father, I'm praying that you show us how to get our mind right. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Now, all this week, I have been just biting at the bit, sitting on G, waiting on O, to come and share with you the message that God has put on my heart today. And there's several reasons for that. Number one, I believe that all the Word of God is inspired. How many of you believe that today? Now, the, the scripture says in 2 Timothy chapter number 3 that the word of God comes by inspiration of God himself. Amen? Look, brothers, if you will, please put for me 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16. You say, well, brothers, no, if it's inspired, inspired by who? What I mean by that is that God the Holy Spirit inspired men to write down what we now know as the Bible. All the way from Genesis, all the way through Revelation, the Word of God is God-breathed. Can you say amen to that? 
You need to understand that. See, what we have on the pages of our Bible is the powerful, precious, practical, absolute truth of God Himself. We can and we should build our life on its firm foundation. It's the Word of God. It's His truth to us. It's His love letter to us. Can you say amen to that? And so I'm thankful that I get to share with you the truth. The truth of God's Word. That's the first reason why I always like preaching the Word of God. I always enjoy it. The second reason is this. I know this will help you. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Watch what it says in the next part. And is profitable. This profits you. And this truth profits me. And the, the Scripture that we're about to share, uh, a lot of people, I had a little boy come to me years ago and he said, Brother Phil, I want to know how many favorite verses you've got. Because a lot of times I'll say, well, this is one of my favorite verses. This is my favorite verse. And he said, you always say it different verses, but you call them your favorite. Well, I'm going to do it again. Here in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 8, through 8, this is some of my favorite verses in all the Word of God. And I can promise you, if we'll take the truth that we find there and apply it to ourselves, it'll be profitable for us. It has been profitable for me. I know that it will be profitable for you. It's talking about how we think. It's talking about how what goes through our minds. And folks, what goes through our minds is really what matters. How many of you have ever heard of Zig Ziglar? Anybody ever heard of him? He's a very popular motivational speaker of years gone by. A very respected author. He wrote several books. He was also, I didn't even realize this, he was the one-time vice president of the Southern Baptist Convention. I didn't know that until I was looking up some stuff on him uh, this week. But Zig Ziglar said something years ago that I absolutely agree with. He said, our greatest problem is stinking thinking. And he's right. It is our greatest problem. I've told you time and time and time again, I'm going to keep telling you, as far as spiritual things go, we are in a war. A war of light against darkness, good against evil. Listen, we are in a spiritual war and the warfare that we wage daily is fought upon the battlefield of the mind. That's where it starts. That's where it ends. It makes all the difference how we think. And if we've got stinking thinking, we ain't thinking right, we ain't going to be right. And if we ain't, ain't going to be right, we ain't going to act right. So if, we got, if we're going to be right, we're going to act right, guess what we've got to do? We've got to think right. Because the Bible says, Proverbs 23 and 7, put that down in your notes. Listen, write it down, underline it in your Bible, put a star by it, circle it, do something because you need to know how to get back to this verse. Proverbs 23 and 7 says, as a man thinks, so is he. Now, when he's using the word man there, it's a, it's a generic term. He's talking about men, women, boys, and girls. He's talking about all mankind. As we think, that's how we're going to be. And so this morning, what I want to do, by the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of the Word of God, I want to share with you how to get your mind right. And I'm going to give you seven steps to positive, powerful thinking right here from the Word of God. And look what it says. Number one. The first thing he tells us in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 4, he says that we are to rejoice always. Rejoice always. Look what he tells us there. Philippians chapter 4, 
Uh, verse number 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Now, what's the Bible telling us? It's telling us that we are to find our joy in Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord. <laughs> and boy, that's so important that we remember that, that we get a hold of that. Folks, do you know that if you try to find joy in circumstances, you're not going to have joy long? Do you know if you try to find joy in possessions, you're not going to have joy long? Do you know if you try and find joy in, in, in people, in, in, per, in personal relationships, you know you're not going to have joy long because even the greatest people, the most loved people will fail you? We don't find our joy, true joy in all of these things. The Bible says you are to find your joy in Jesus. Brothers, if you will, please put for me on the screen John chapter 15 and verse number 11. Look how Jesus puts this. I absolutely love it and I believe you, you will too. He says, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy, everybody say my joy. Now that's Jesus speaking. He said, the joy I'm wanting to give you is my joy. It comes from me. He's telling them in John 15 exactly what Paul is saying in Philippians 4. You find your joy in me. It's from me. It's my joy in you. Watch what he says. I've spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. How many of y'all want to walk around with a full tank of joy? Absolutely. Me too. You want me to tell you why? Because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is what? Our strength. It helps us in the daily battle of life, in the daily grind of life. We need the joy of the Lord. And Jesus says, if you want it, it's found in me. It's not found in circumstances. If your joy was found in circumstances and your circumstances go from good to bad, guess what happens? You just lost your joy. If you try to find your joy in possessions and you lose your possessions... Guess what's going to happen? You're going to lose your joy. If you try and find your joy in a physical relationship with someone else, whether it be friend, family, um, spouse, whatever, guess, what ha guess what's going to happen when, if you lose that spouse? You lose that friend. You're going to lose your joy. Your joy is not found in those things. True joy is only found in Jesus. If you believe it, say amen. Jesus said, I want you to be full of my joy. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. But then the next part of that verse in Philippians chapter 4, it says, always. And again, I say rejoice. Now what does he mean when he says always? Well, he means all the time. See, the Bible is teaching that we shouldn't just rejoice sometimes or most of the time, but we need to rejoice always. All the time. You say, now preacher, you had me up to right then. You, you just said, I'm supposed to rejoice all the time, but how in the world can I rejoice when things are going so bad for me right now? How in the world can I be joyful when it feels as though life snuck up behind me, jerked the rug out from under my feet, and I fell flat on my face? How in the world am I going to rejoice when all this bad stuff is going on in my life. Well, let me tell you how. You can and you should because as a child of God, you know the truth. And the truth is what sets us free. And if you don't know the truth, I'm fixing to give you some right now. 
Let me tell you the truth about your circumstance that you're going through right now. Do you know that God is with you in the midst of it? Do you understand and realize that in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 28, the Bible says God causes all things to work together for our good and for His glory? Are you getting me? Not some things, not most things, not a lot of things. Not sometimes, not most times, but all time. God is at work in all things so that it will come around for our good and His glory. That is an amazing promise. Now, if we believe the truth, even in bad times, we can rejoice knowing God is at work. Can you say amen? That's why we always need to praise Him. Amen? He's always at work. It may not seem like it right now. Brother Kyle did a fantastic... He was all over my message this morning, brother. He did a fantastic... Let me, let me just go ahead and say this too. If you're missing out on the devotional time that we're having before Sunday school starts, or you're missing out on Sunday school, why are you doing that? I don't get it. Oh, brother, it's just so early. What? Let's think this through. You mean to tell me you can be at work at five, some go to work at five, six, seven in the morning, eight in the morning. But it's too early to get up and come and honor Jesus at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. Yeah, well, brothers, that's the only day I've got with my family. Let me tell you the best way you can spend Sundays with your family in church. You may tell you why. Because Sunday's the Lord's day. This is the day we worship Him. Your family, your children, your, listen, they need to know that. They need to understand that. That brother done a great job this morning. Listen to what he said. He's talking about the life of Joseph. And, and even though Joseph, it looked bleak a lot of times throughout his life, at the end of his life, he could look back and see where God's hand was in all of it. How God was working all things together for His good. Some things that he perceived to be bad, God was using for good. That's why we that's how we rejoice in bad times, in bad circumstances. That's how. We know God is at work. And we know He's always with us, which is what brings me to my next point. Not only do we need to rejoice in the Lord always, but we also must, listen to me now, rest in the presence of God. Look at Philippians chapter four and verse number five. He says, Let your moderation be known unto all men. Let your self-control be known unto all men, for the Lord is at hand. Now, what does he mean by self-control? That means what Paul um, also says in 1 Corinthians. He says, I bring my body, my flesh, unto subjection. My flesh don't tell me what to do. Amen. I tell my flesh what to do. I walk in moderation and self-control because I want to be a light for Jesus. That's what he's saying. Now, the folks... We all struggle with that, but we should be growing in that. Amen? He says, let your moderation be known unto all men. And then in the very next verse, he says, for the Lord is at hand. Now, I've heard it preached for years that he's talking about the coming of Jesus in this verse. Uh, he's talking about the rapture of the church and, or, or Jesus coming back in his, in his second coming. Um, and, and I just don't believe that's true. Uh, I, I don't think in the context of this verse that that's all what he's talking about. I think what he's saying is, the Lord is here with you now. See, as a child of God, 
we can and should rest in God's presence. Hebrews 13.5, very important verse. The Bible says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you know that's a promise of God to His people? In good times He's with you, in bad times He's with you, in good circumstances He's with you, in bad circumstances He's with you. Listen, when things are going great He's with you, when things are going poorly He's with you. Whatever, wherever you find yourself, God never leaves His people. God, we've got to get a hold of that. And when we understand that, that hey, I might be going through some stuff right now, but He's right here going through it with me. I'm not alone. One of my favorite, absolute favorite stories in all the Word of God is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The fiery furnace. I'm thankful in almost a month we're going to Costa Rica. And we're doing the youth service on Saturday night when we get there for the church. Lord willing, I'm going to preach on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Man, I can't wait. One of my favorite stories in all the Word of God. But what amazed me about that story is that when these three faithful young men were thrown into the fire, they were thrown into the fire. God did not save them from being thrown in the furnace. Do you realize Jesus didn't come to get you out of trouble? Jesus came to get into trouble with you. (laughs) That's the truth. The Bible says they were put in the furnace, but when they got in there, everybody got to looking, and and there was not just three men walking around in the flames, but there was four walking in the flames, and everybody said, the fourth was like unto the Son of God. I think it was like unto the Son of God, because it was the pre-incarnate Christ there with these faithful young men who took a stand for Him, and He walked with them in the midst of the fire itself. He didn't get them out of trouble. He came and got into the trouble with them. See, the Bible says in John 16, For in this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Hebrews 13, 5. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Philippians 1, 6. Being confident of this, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it under the day of redemption. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2. Looking up. Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. What he starts, he finish. Amen. <laughs> He's not done with me. He's with me in good times and in bad. And I can rest, and we should rest in the presence of God. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rest in the presence of God. Let me give you the next one. The next one, refuse to worry about anything. That's what he says. Look back to Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Now, I love how he puts this. He says we are to worry about nothing we are to be careful for nothing now that word careful which is sometimes translated worry in other translations other than the uh the the king james is actually in the greek a word that means to be pulled apart i I like how that how how that uh makes that very it makes that very plain to me that's one thing i love about the greek language you can say exactly what you mean 
with the Greek language. And it, and it tells us not to be pulled apart by anything. How does that deal with worry? Why is that translated worry in the English? Well, when you worry, you've got hope on one side and fear on the other side, and they're having a tug-of-war match, and you're in the middle. And it feels as though you're going to be pulled apart. Everybody, Anybody ever been there? When you're worrying and fearful for what might take place. The thing is, psychologists and psychiatrists tell us that about 95% of the things we worry about never happen. I got a story for that. I had been asked to preach at a uh, Baptist men's gathering at one of the local churches over in Hodges, over at uh, Brother James Nichols' church at the time, Mount, uh, Mount Olive. And he had asked me to come up and preach. I, I believe it was on the third Sunday morning uh, of the month. And so that third Sunday morning uh, of the month, man, I, I woke up that morning and, and uh, you know, didn't think a thing about going to preach. It had completely and totally slipped my mind. And I knew it was already going to be about time for the service to start. I was supposed to be there, I think, at 7 that morning for, for the Baptist men's breakfast. And so, man, I just jumped in the shower for about 30 seconds and, and took off like my hair was on fire to Mount Olive. And all the way up there, I just almost got sick to my stomach, worried about missing that appointment. Because, folks, the truth is I take the responsibility and the great privilege of being able to preach the Word of God very seriously. Because I know it's truth that I'm able to give to people. And when God gives me that opportunity, I'm thankful for it. And I did not in any way want to hinder that service. I did not in any way want to make them feel like I wasn't taking it seriously by not being there. And I just almost got physically sick on the way up there worrying about it. And so, man, I got as fast as I could. I got to Mount Olive, jumped out of the, out of the car there at the back of the parking lot, walked up to the, where the, the door greeters were the door and there were several guys standing around outside and, and I automatically I looked at their, uh, the, the, their, their men's ministry leader and I said brother I am so very sorry man I promise this will never happen again Did we still have time to have service he said brother what are you talking about I said well wasn't I supposed to come preach this morning he said no that's not till next Sunday <laughs> and I said praise the Lord I'll see you next Sunday y'all have a good day but all the way up there, I worried myself sick over something that didn't even happen. Don't we do that all the time? With all kinds of different things in our life? Let me give you three reasons why we shouldn't worry. Number one, worry is worthless. It's worthless. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, how can a man add one cubit of stature to his height? Just by worrying about it. He said he can't. See, I'm not but about 5'8". Five, 5'8 eight. Five, eight and 3 quarters is what I say. I'm getting all I can get. But you know what? If I want to be 5'9", if I want to be 5'9", I'm never ever going to get there by worrying about it. That's what Jesus said. Worrying about it is going to do, not do you one bit of good. And I'm telling you this right now. When you worry about the things you worry about and you feel like you're being pulled apart, it's worthless to you because most of that stuff you can do nothing about. Worry is worthless. 
Let me give you the next one, though. Not only is worry worthless, worry is wasteful. Matthew chapter number 6, brothers, if you will, please put that on the screen. Matthew 6, and I want us to look at about uh, verse number 30. Matthew 6 and verse number 30. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows what you have need of all these things. Look at verse 34. Oh, let's just, no, 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 don't skip that. That's so, that's my favorite verse. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things that you were in so much about will be what? Y'all believe it? Verse 34. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto thee the day today is, 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 is for evil. Now, now what did Jesus mean by that? There's enough evil and problems in today for you to take care of instead of worrying about tomorrow. Let me give you my favorite quote, definition, however you want to put it, of worry. It came from Dr. Adrian Rogers. That brother's so good. He said, worry is borrowing tomorrow's strength to deal with today's problems. That's exactly what it is. You know what Jesus said? There's enough for you to handle today. See, I believe God allows us to go through hardships. I believe God allows us to, to have some stuff in our life. We've all got some stuff, whether it be physical stuff or financial stuff or relational stuff or or emotional stuff. We've all got stuff in our lives that we are dealing with. And I believe God allows that stuff into our lives so that we will remain dependent upon Him. It is not until we are completely dependent on the Lord that we can have the closeness in relationship and fellowship that He wants with His children. Worry is worthless. It's wasteful. But let me give you the net last one. Worry's wicked. Worry is wicked. Let me put it to you like this. Men, let's just say you went home tomorrow and, and you got home from work and your children are sitting in the corner crying. And they're just crying, man, chewing their fingernails to the bone, worried, sick, and you walk over to them and you say, guys, what's going on here? Why, why, why are you so upset? And they looked up at you and they said, well, daddy, I'm just afraid I ain't going to have nothing to eat tomorrow. And I'm afraid I ain't going to have a place to live tonight. And I'm afraid I ain't going to have no clothes to put on my back. And Daddy, I'm afraid somebody might come in and, and do something to us here in the house. Now let me ask you something, guys. How would that make you feel? That would break my heart. That my kids didn't trust me enough as their father to provide for them their needs. Now I know I'm only human and there may be a time when I can't do some of those things. I hope and pray that's not the case. But God's not human. God is all-powerful, perfect and righteous and holy and just, gracious and loving. He's in sovereign control of the whole universe. Amen. (laughs) And because of that, I can trust Him no matter what. So how do you think it makes God feel when I'm constantly worrying about what might happen knowing who He is? I think it's offensive to God Himself. I think it breaks His heart. I think 
it's an insult to him when we all the time choose to worry. So the Bible says, if you're going to get your mind right, the first thing you do is rejoice in the Lord always. The second thing you do, if you're going to get your mind right, listen to me now. Get a hold of this. Refuse to worry. That's not the second. What was number two? Rest in the presence of God. Y'all were listening, weren't you? Praise the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rest in the presence of God. Refuse to worry about anything. Remember to pray about everything. In the last part of that verse, what did it say? Worry, be careful for nothing. Don't be pulled apart by anything. But pray about everything. With all prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto the Lord. So we continually pray about it all. We pray about big things. Can you say amen? Let me tell you why. Because we serve a big God. And God does big things. And we have not because we ask not. So let's keep praying for big things. We pray big prayers to a big God who answers in big ways. Keep praying big. But let me say something. He says in all things by prayer and supplication. Not just big things, but little things. G. Campbell Morgan asked this question when asked about whether or not we should pray about the little things to God. This is what he said. He said, can you think of one thing that God thinks is big? That's good, isn't it? How many of you have seen the pictures that were released by NASA just this past week? Anybody? If you haven't, go check it out. We have a telescope that can now see further into the universe than we've ever saw before. And I'm absolutely amazed at the handiwork of God. See, the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. The Bible says the sun, moon, and stars were works of His fingers. All these pictures I'm seeing, if God can do that with His fingers, just think what He could do with His whole hand. Are you getting me? It's amazing. He is big. Everybody say that with me just like that. Big. One more time. God is big. Can you think of anything that's too big for Him? No. All of it's little to God. Pray about the things that are big to you. Pray about the things that are little to you. Pray about everything with all prayer and supplication. And all things pray. God is concerned about what you deem little. I remember when Anna Kate first started dating. And I've already made up my mind that Ellie Grace can't date till she's 34. <laughs> but I remember when she first started dating. And she came home after her first date. And I can remember her mother and me sitting there grilling her over what went on. Did he pay for the meal? Young men, pay for the meal. Come on! That's about the most ridiculous stuff I've ever seen in my life. If she is good enough to go out with you, pay for the meal. Respect her. Act right. Amen? Did he pay for the meal? 
Did, did, he, did he open the door for you? Was he polite? Did he act in any way that I didn't even know about? That was my question. <laughs> and, and she's telling us all this stuff. And guess what? That, all those answers and that conversation probably didn't mean a whole lot to you. It meant a whole lot to me. That may seem like a little thing to you. It was a really big thing to me. Why? That's my baby. I love her. I love that young man. I love that young lady. I love them so much. I am concerned about the most minute detail of their day. God loves you so much. He's concerned about those little things in your life. Remember that. A lot of people say, well, brother, I'm just afraid I'm going to bother God. You're going to bother God. He got so much to going on, man. I, I, I'm just so afraid to pray about this little bitty stuff. Heard a story one time about a missionary who was on the mission field in Africa, and he's going out into these remote uh, jungles and, and, and preaching the gospel. And he's and he's on his way one day, to walking down a trail, and runs up on a line. And he's going to pray, "Oh Lord, please deliver me from this line." And man, he is just crying out to Jesus. And all of a sudden, another line and becomes and begins fighting with that line. And he runs away to safety. And he says, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your deliverance. God, you heard my prayer. He's just praising Jesus all the way back to the ministry compound. He gets back to where he's going to spend the night. Lays down in his bed and there's a mosquito buzzing in his ear all night long. And he'd get up. And just like all mosquitoes do, when he got up and turned the light on, it would disappear. Isn't that how they work? You can't see them nowhere. And the moment you turn that light off, it'll be right back in the ear again, buzzing, buzzing, buzzing. He couldn't sleep, and he was up and down all night long. And in the morning, he said God rebuked him and said, you asked me to help you with the lion because you knew the lion was too big for you. But you thought you could handle the mosquito. And it cost you a night's worth of sleep. God is not just concerned and able to handle the big things. He's concerned and able to handle the little things. So brothers and sisters, pray about everything. Remember to pray. Let me give you the next one. Listen to this. Not only should we, first of all, remember to pray, but listen folks, we are to respond with thankfulness. Look what it says. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Give thanks. You can always give thanks. One of my favorite writers is a man by the name of Jocko Willink. I love that dude. He's just one of my favorite human beings in the world. I, I really respect him. This is what Jocko always says. Good. I read a lot of his stuff, and that's what he'll say. Um... Having a hard day at work? Good. Having a tough time at home? Good. Whatever's going on? Good. And his whole message is, when things ain't going just like you want it to go, that's just an opportunity for you to grow stronger. For you to overcome and adapt and achieve what you want to achieve. And that brother right there, I'm telling you, he, he lifts me up a lot of times. I like him. And what he's saying is, it can always be worse. And it can. Now, I'm not preaching from the Bible of Jocko Willink. I'm just saying, what he says matches up with what Paul is saying. With all things, give thanks. Give thanks. 
you always got something to be thankful for. Most of the time when we're going through a bad situation or circumstance, that's all we focus on. And if we forget about all the good things that's happening on a daily basis, all the good things God's already done, if you woke up tomorrow or if you woke up this morning with only the things, things you had given thanks for yesterday, what would you have? God's good, isn't He? In everything, give thanks. Now, listen to the next one. React also with positive thinking. Respond with thankfulness. React with positive thinking. Watch what it says in, in verse number 7. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Verse number 8. Finally, my brethren, uh, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, what things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, watch what he says. Think. Think on these things. Now, let me tell you something, folks. I am not against positive thinking. I've heard a lot of uh, preachers who you know, really talk down on positive thinking. But let me, let me explain to you what I mean. Let me tell you why I think positively. Because I know Jesus. And I know His truth applies to my life. That's how I can be positive. If I didn't know Jesus, I'd be the most negative, cynical, miserable person around. I, mean, I, don't even, I don't even see how you getting by in the world we living in right now not knowing Jesus. I'd be scared to death. I really would. Let me tell you why I can smile while I'm pumping gas. And it's getting harder to do, I'll be honest. But let me tell you how I can do it because you know, I heard people, somebody say to me the other day, well, preacher, what are we going to do when gas gets up five, six, seven dollars a gallon? I said, I'm going to do what I'm doing right now. I'm going to trust the Lord. And I'm going to go vote in November. Going to do that. But I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to trust the Lord. Because I know Jesus, because I know the truth, because I know who holds tomorrow, I can truly be positive. But it's important that we rest in His presence, but at the same time, it's very important that we choose to think rightly, positively, not negatively. Most of the people who have mental problems, most people that I've ever been around who deal with depression, are always very negative. Now, a lot of times, I think the negativity brings the depression instead of the depression bringing the negativity. I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but that's just been my own observation. I'm just saying, we need to think rightly, as, like Proverbs tells us, as a man thinks, so is he. Years ago, there was a study done by the 15 most prominent psychologists or uh, motivational speakers, uh, and, and they asked them to do something. They asked them to sum up all of the truth they know about motivation and right thinking and positive thinking and put it all in one concise statement. Listen to what they said. Fifteen of them gathered. They said, what the mind attends to, it considers. I like that. 
Think about what, it's, what that means. What the mind attends to. What, what you allow into your mind, your mind automatically begins to consider. Now watch this. What it does not attend to, it dismisses. If you don't keep something on your mind, it will be off your mind. You'll lose it. Am I right? And there's nothing you can do about it. What the mind does not attend to, what you don't keep your mind focused on, it dismisses and you lose it. Listen at the last statement, and this one is so good. What it attends to continually, it believes. That's good, isn't it? That is so true. That hits me right where I live. What I continually think on, what I continually, listen, allow my mind to attend to. As I continually do that, I, be, I begin to believe it. So what if you're thinking wrongly? I ain't nothing. I ain't never going to be nothing. I ain't never going to have nothing. Guess what? Keep thinking that way. Pretty soon you'll believe it. Then you'll have no motivation to do anything. We do this in churches all the time. Well, Brother Israel, we just ain't nothing but a little old country church. Well, keep thinking that way. Keep thinking that way. That's all you ever be. Uh, I, I tell you what, I, I just, I ain't, we ain't never going to make it. I don't see how we're going to make it through the year, year with all this, the, the, the financial pressure and everything that's happening. Man, I just don't see what's going to, how, how we're going to ever make it through. Keep thinking that way. Pretty soon you'll believe it. On the other hand, it's very hard for me to feel inferior if I know the truth, if I think on the truth. Very hard for me to feel inferior about my appearance. When the Bible says in Psalm 139, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen? Very hard for me to worry about how I'm going to make ends meet when the Bible says in Philippians 4.19 that my God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. Very hard for me to be down in the dumps and worry about my current situation when I really believe and I keep thinking on Hebrews 13.5 and it says, He shall never leave me nor forsake me. I think positive because I know Jesus and I know His truth. Be careful what you continually think on. Be careful what you allow into your mind. Be careful what you allow through your ear gate and through your eye gate. Be careful what you listen to. Who you listen to. It'll change how you think. Amen? Let me give you one more. Get busy and stay busy. It's good to be busy. Verse number 9. Watch this. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. What's Paul saying? Apply this truth. Go out and get busy. I've always heard it said, and I believe it to be true, that an idle mind is the devil's playground. When you've got nothing to do, no purpose, no drive, no passion, It's very easy to slip into things you don't need to be in. Very easy to get down and out, discouraged, and, and completely depressed when you're just sitting around on the stool of do-nothing. I encourage you, 
Find you something to do. Get out of the house. Amen? Take a walk. Plant a garden. Get a job. Do something. Do something. When it comes to spiritual matters, listen to me. The Bible says don't just be hearers of the word, but what? Doers of the word. James 1.22. James is backing up what Paul said. He said, what you've seen me do, what I've told you to do, go do it. Apply that truth and live it out. If you want to think rightly, if you want to get your mind right, these are seven ways to do it right here from the Word of God. And I know it will change your life because it has mine. Everybody stand up, please. Let me ask you this. If today was your last day on earth, if the next five seconds were your last five seconds, if you know that you're ready to meet Jesus, do you know you're ready to meet Jesus? Do you? Do you know that... Um, when death comes knocking at your door that you've got a home in heaven I can honestly say I know that you say brothers do you think you're good enough to go to heaven no absolutely not never thought that always known what a rascal I've been I'm not trying to go on my goodness I'm only saved by his grace I know in whom I've trusted. I know in whom I believe. And I am persuaded that He is able to keep that which He has promised. Amen? Have you trusted in Jesus? Have you been born again? Do you know you're ready to meet the Lord? If not, today is the day of salvation. I'm going to tell you, you can never really think rightly until you know Him personally. He changes our hearts and minds. We become new creations in Him. If you today, would you come be saved? Being in this church don't save you, but it's a great place to get saved. If you've not yet trusted in Christ as your personal Savior, I want you to just come and tell me, brothers, I need to be saved. If God the Holy Spirit has convicted your heart today, let today be the day. Quit running. Quit putting it on. Quit worrying about everybody else. Like we sang in the early, in the earlier songs, just like you are right now today, that's how He wants you. He's not asking you to clean yourself up and come to Him. He's asking you to come to Him and get cleaned up. Come just like you are. He loves you. He died for you. Maybe you are here and you are a child of God. You know you've been born again, but you're struggling with stuff. And it's caused you to think wrongly. And it's caused you to be down and out and depressed and discouraged. And you're at the point where you just don't know what you're going to do. Listen, cast your care upon the Lord, for He cares for you. This altar is a great place to do that. I'm telling you, Jesus is good. And He is able to do what you need to do. Whatever it may be, these altars are always open. I'd love to pray with you. It's always my great privilege to do so if you need me to. Brother, play for us.